T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Congresswoman Robin Kelly has an exciting and challenging job right now. After all, she's a Democratic congresswoman from Chicago's south suburbs as a Democrat takes the reins at the White House with some of her biggest issues on the front burner. But she's got another job that is in some ways more challenging. She's now chair of the Illinois Democratic Party, taking over from the legendary and controversial Michael Madigan. Well, this weekend, we'll find out how it's going. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Robin Kelly has been Congresswoman for Illinois 2nd District since 2013. She replaced Jesse Jackson Jr., who resigned under a cloud. And she's had a number of jobs before that as a state lawmaker, chief of staff to then state treasurer Alexi Janulius, and chief administrative officer to Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle. She's made her mark at her home and in Washington on issues from civil rights and the digital divide to gun violence, a topic we will discuss a bit later in this half hour. But now she's taken the reins from former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan, uh, who also resigned under a cloud. And here she is with a reputation as a coalition builder, taking over from a man who specialized in centralizing power. It is indeed a new day for the Illinois Democratic Party. Well, social distancing is still a thing, and we are doing it. This interview is being conducted via Zoom conferencing. And Robin Kelly, welcome back. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, so much has happened in Washington and Illinois over the past several months. Um, how do you keep track of which hurricane you're walking into at the moment? I have great staff around me. <laughs> that helps tremendously. <laughs> Well, let's talk about your aftermath uh, or the aftermath of your selection as party chair first. You were backed by Senator Dick Durbin, uh, Governor Pritzker and Senator Tammy Duckworth backed Chicago Alderwoman Michelle Harris. Some people saw the race as a proxy fight between the governor and Durbin. So how do you as a new party chair keep any residual tensions from uh, carrying over now? Well, first of all, I don't look at it as a proxy fight. I mean, um, this is America. People can be with who they, you know, want to be for. That's perfectly fine. The alderman and I are perfectly fine. We, in fact, we had a conversation while we were, you know, running against each other that we would be perfectly fine uh, no matter what happened at the end. I told her if she won, uh, I would do anything she wanted me to do. And I won and I had a 
I a transition team and she was one of my co-chairs. So uh, we are working together and I look forward to doing everything we can do in the Democratic Party to make sure that Governor Pritzker is reelected and Senator Duckworth is reelected and our other constitutional officers as well as would love to add some more uh, Democrats to the congressional delegation that goes to D.C. <laughs> so now, now, you know what, we're moving no, forward. Knowing, knowing both you and uh, and Michelle Harris, I uh, I would personally have no doubt that the two of you would be perfectly fine with each other. The concern is the other people uh, who were involved, and not just Durbin and and the governor, but the people who were kind of starting to line up and 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 take sides in this. The rest of the party leaders. How do you keep that? from being a, a, a continuing tension? Well, I'm, I'm not sure exactly who you're uh, talking about, but I've been around a lot of the party leaders and and I've heard from, after I won, I'm not kidding, I heard from over a thousand people, either by text, email, Facebook, letters, phone calls, um, even the people that are state central committee people that voted against me, which was their right. Um, uh, many of them signed up and they were on my uh, transition committee to help out. And, uh, you know, so we're trying to move forward. We're trying to move Illinois forward. You know, we don't have time to look back. Uh, you know, we have an important election before us and important things to do. And that's what we're going to do. Well, your Republican Party counterpart, Don Tracy, was on this program a couple of weeks ago, and he has the task of trying to unite a party that's uh, still being torn in half by followers of Donald Trump and those who feel the former president should not be the one setting the party's new direction in the uh, GOP. I, I, I wonder if your situation isn't in some ways the opposite. You've got a party that's unified, but it had basically one guy calling all the shots uh, before Mike Madigan. And now individual party leaders are, are have a voice and potentially could pull the Democrats in different directions. You've got a new speaker. You've got a governor who could, if he wanted, single-handedly finance the party. Mm -hmm. You've got a, you're the new party chair. You've got dynamic senators. Um, do you worry that, you know, there are a, a plethora of cooks uh, going here? Well, you know, we want a new, transparent, active, inclusive party, even with the transition, we had over 60 people on the transition team, but we heard from a lot of people and we wanted to hear from people to hear what their ideas uh, are. And also um, once a month, at least, uh, the Speaker of the House, the Senate President, and the head of the Illinois Democratic County Association, we will be meeting to stay in touch with each other, keep each other abreast of what's going on, share ideas. So we will be touching base at least uh, once a month, and, and of course, more uh, if necessary. So, um, you know, we're trying to keep the lines of communication open. And I've known. Um, Christina, about four years now. I've known Chris. I've known Don. Oh my God, going on twenty years. So, um, uh, so there's different ways uh, where you know we're going to communicate with each other, and we want to be supportive of each other. So, give me an idea of your vision for the party. What what will this party be? Uh, and not uh, so much 
as a difference from what went before with Mike Madigan, but where do you see it going at this stage? Well, I want a more inclusive, engaged party. I want every part of Illinois to feel like they count uh, as I was running. And, you know, I lived uh, in central Illinois for a long time <laughs> as a Bradley uh, graduate. And then I, you know, ran statewide. I, you know, ran uh, Alexi Janulis' office. So for a long time, I've often heard how people don't feel counted or they feel dismissed or we may not be, they don't get the same support in, in some parts. And I want to change all of that. I want all parts of the Democratic Party of Illinois to feel engaged, appreciated, valued. Uh, we, um, you know, we had discussions uh, last night. In fact, we met uh, around recruitment, building the bench, special outreach to communities that feel left out. What kind of programming can we do? What kind of training can we do? There are all kinds of ideas that, you know, I definitely want to put in play. I plan to do a listening tour um, around the state of Illinois. Uh, I want to start, um, it was a suggestion that came last night. I love it like an internship program to get young people engaged, you know, from around the state of Illinois. So there's a lot of things we want to put in place to make a stronger um, party. Um, Illinois, everyone always says is a blue state, but we're blurple in some parts and um, in other parts we're red and we need to pull those uh, Democrats out, those independents, and frankly, depending on who's running, uh, moderate Republicans. When do you uh, expect to uh, start the listening tour? Um, looking at, I might do some, uh, just so I have gaps um, in my uh, going back and forth, you know, to D.C. I want, we're taking all the suggestions and we're going to meet with all of the state central committee folks to set our course. And then, you know, I'll start after that. But even in my one month of being in this position, I've been, you know, uh, I've participated in, Zooms for, uh, you know, um, aldermen, uh, state reps. Um, I went to, you know, Bolingbrook to support uh, a race there, uh, Kankakee, which is my district to support a race there. So I, uh, my first stop was in Springfield uh, to support the party down there. So I, I've been on the move. <laughs> yeah. So how do the priorities line up now? And you, you, you've talked about the, uh, the coming elections, uh, but uh, what's what's the to do list look like? Well, I mean, the first priority is to make sure we reelect, um, you know, our governor and um, our senator and then the constitutional officers. That's what we have to pay attention to. Make sure they're reelected to get, you know, to get as many people registered and voting. It's, it's not just good enough for the registration if you don't take advantage, you know, and vote. And and that's our first priority. But the other is, again, to get us uh, more active, inclusive. There's some hiring we're going to have to do, some operations um, issues. But again, I will, uh, because I want to be inclusive, go back to uh, all of the state central committee folks and, and um, get their opinions. Uh, how does the party raise money now? Uh, and, and first, just the task ahead of you. This is a time when people are in some ways skeptical about politics in general uh, and, and they've gotten more skeptical over it. But uh, how well is that task going to go? Um, you know, I think that people realize from four years of Donald Trump 
that elections have consequences and, you know, it costs money uh, to run for office, to keep uh, people in office. And I think we're going to try some different things that, you know, other people do, you know, small dollar donations. We'll have our regular, you know, uh, you know, when we can after COVID big uh, fundraisers, but also we want to go online, you know, to, um, to do fundraising in that way. We're, we're, just going to put different things in operation, not just depend on one person, you know, to raise money, to get buy-in from stakeholders that want to see a strong Democratic Party in Illinois. Does the economic uh, downturn of COVID over the last year or so, uh, how much does that figure in or play, maybe depress what you're able to do? I mean, it... It could, but um, when I think about, um, you know, money raised, even money I was able to raise for myself because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm running and, and need money that, you know, I was still able to raise money. You just have to do it. It, it, it might be, you know, just uh, smaller amounts. Like I've sent thank you notes to people that sent me $5 and $10, but it's 5 or $10 more than I had, you know, when I started out. So there's just all, you know, kind of ways we need to... Um, um, engage people and meet and, you know, meet people at their level of what they can give. But I think that, um, you know, it's in the messaging and communication, like the American Rescue Plan. It's because of Democrats, we were able to deliver money, you know, to the state of Illinois, to the city of Chicago, all my smaller areas. It was because of Democrats that we were able to give another $1,400. We sent $160 billion, you know, for schools to help them reopen more money for vaccines, contact, you know, tracing, testing. And we need, you know, we need to hammer that home that it was because of us that um, um, people, you know, receive these things. And, you know, we want to move forward. We're putting people back to work with infrastructure program and things like that. And um, in Illinois, they're trying under the governor and the legislature, they're trying to do some of the same things. I want to touch on one thing that became an issue at the end of uh, the selection process for you, and that was uh, questions about what limits might there be on your abilities because you are a federal, uh, right. a federally elected official. Um, so if we can uh, clear that up, what things will you or will you not be able to do as uh, the leader of the party when it comes to raising funds right. for state races. We are working all of that out right now with um, the lawyers and FPC. And it sounds like I won't be able to raise, I can raise the federal money, but as they call it, I won't be able to raise the soft money, but also we are looking at different things that we could do. Again, I don't think it should just be on the chair, you know, of the party to um, just because it's been done like that, that we have to continue doing it like that. And I also believe that Speaker Welch, you know, had some of that same idea. And that's why he created uh, the uh, fundraising committee. I'm not sure what he calls it, but that's why he did things uh, a little differently. So it'll be worked out. I am fully confident and I feel like we will be able to um, raise the money needed. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is Southside and South Suburban Congresswoman Robin Kelly, 
who is now also the chair of the Illinois Democratic Party. You talked about including people from around the state. What are the issues that are going to make the people downstate in southern Illinois and central Illinois feel that they are being listened to? What bases do you have to touch uh, for those people to be comfortable? Yeah, well, I think that um, having the transition team and we broke it up into, you know, operations to program and training to recruitment, bench building and special outreach to um, communications and messaging and then, you know, bylaws and um, digital uh, and uh, what was the other one? Um, Fundraising. And I think, you know, like I said, we're going to start off with a listening tour to hear, but we had people from downstate on the transition and what they, what the message I kept hearing is they want to be included. They want to make sure they get the resources to do what they need to do to get people elected or to get people to even think about running for office, like they feel forgotten about. So, I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, we have to work on. And then as far as, um, Again, we have to make sure as Democrats that we get the word out about what we are doing. Like I talked about the American Rescue Plan and what the state is doing. So people know, you know, what what the Democrats are doing for the citizens of the state of Illinois. Uh, I want to turn to the other big issue of the week and frankly of the uh, well of the last two years, and that is gun violence. Um, this week, President Biden's uh, package of executive orders and uh, his, his congressional wish, wish list uh, were outlined. Uh, what's the highest priorities among those things for you? Well, um, right now um, is passing the two bills that are still sitting on uh, the Senate desk. I know um, uh, Senator Schumer wants to make sure you know, that um, he has the votes before he puts it on a table, but we need to get the background check passed and the Charleston loophole bill passed. And um, it's, it's hard to say the priority because I, in the Chicagoland area and areas like this, we do need national trafficking and um, straw purchasing laws. We, we definitely need to do that. I, you know, I agree with the red flag laws. Uh, when you think about what happened in Boulder, Colorado, the family said that it, the young man had purchased a gun. He was acting strange, playing with the gun. Um, you know, so uh, red flag laws could have dealt with that. I don't think it's just one thing that I, you know, there's not one thing that's going to stop it. it I think it's multifaceted and we have to have a multifaceted approach. Like we have to invest in, these neighborhoods, we have to scale up uh, effective programs um, that are throughout the country. You know, um, I mean, every life you save is important, but if we can save a lot of them, if we can do more prevention, you know, that would be um, great. And, you know, I agree with stopping the ghost guns. I, I agree with everything that he, you know, put forward. Uh, and it's not, like I said, it's not just one Thing. It's, it's multifaceted. And I know nothing's going to stop everything, but we have to do more than what we're doing now. Do you look at the, the ghost guns measure? Well, first off, it's going to be an executive order, but mm -hmm. uh, do you look at that one as kind of an, an, an easy win there? Uh, I, I spoke with uh, uh, Richard Pearson, who's the head of the Illinois State Rifle Association, and that was one of the few things that we talked about 
where he said, well, I think it's an infringement on hobbyists who like to build these kits. But on the other hand, I acknowledge it's a problem and these guns have no serial numbers on it. So if they're, you know, and he kind of shrugged and said, you know, if it means they have serial numbers and that they can be traced. You know, he said, OK, uh, he's not like he's supporting it, but he's not necessarily not. fighting it. <laughs> <laughs> but um the gun lobby, it seems, has been weakened because of its own problems. But my impression is it's still pretty strong. Yeah, you know, I think um, when you think about the majority of Americans, bipartisan gun owners, they want background checks. Yet the lawmakers, they're still some that won't vote for it. That is absolutely ridiculous. They are not listening to the American people, just like the American Rescue Plan. It wasn't bipartisan in D.C., but it was bipartisan across this country. I can't think of one state governor, a Democrat or Republican, that said we don't want the money. You know, um, so uh, it, it's ridiculous to me. I don't understand it. And I always say just how many or who has to die before they realize uh, the severity of this problem. We we have a public health crisis. The gun the gun lobby and 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 some gun owners have always raised the issue of definitions of assault weapons, and that seems to be the thing that trips trips the legislation up. Is people go, yeah, okay, well, this gun that I use for hunting is considered, you know, a uh, an assault weapon. Is that still the stumbling block? I don't think so. I mean, I just feel like um, we let the NRA uh, get the message out that we want to take your guns. And, you know, I, and I that is not true. But I don't think we did enough initially, you know, to fight that, that if you're not trying to hurt yourself or anybody else and you got your gun legally, then um we're not trying to take your guns, you know, but this is madness, what is happening in the United States. And I know the mass shootings get all the attention, but my big voice in DC is what about the everyday? You know, we call it a slow motion massacre. Every day, people are losing their lives, but they don't get the same, you know, attention. And one thing I'm, you know, take credit for, you know, mass shootings. We stand up, we sit down, we do nothing. And one day I, out of the 435 of us, I sat down. I just couldn't do it anymore. I wasn't going to do it anymore. And then it, two days later, it was a lonely feeling, but that's how quickly the mass shootings were happening. I think two days later, three days later, there was another one. And our dear colleague, I, I'm heartbroken about it. Congressman uh, Alcee Hastings said, I'm not going to let you sit by yourself. And he came and sat with me um, during one of the moments of silence. And then the next time more people refused to stand up and if they or they left the chamber because they didn't want to be a part of the hypocrisy. Um, you know, we need to make noise about it. And like I said, how many people have to die before we do something or who has to die? It's not little kids. It's not, you know, people in the theater. It's not even... Um, members of Congress, you know, that have gotten shot, you know, and uh, or staff that has died. I mean, it's it's crazy. And is it still a, a, a fight where people are so emotional about it, even on Capitol Hill, maybe especially on Capitol Hill, that compromise isn't uh, isn't likely? 
you know, for example, I, I when I was talking with the uh, the Rifle Association, had he he pointed to red flag laws, which he po- said Illinois has the, sort of the moral equivalent of a red flag law, mm-hmm. and he he said, and it seems to work here. Um, but he said part of it is because people have their day in court quickly. It's actually mandated. Some mm-hmm. others, it's not. Um, and so his indication was some of these things can be worked out. But I think people on both sides agree when it, when it actually gets to rhetoric and it gets to the floor, people's backs go up. How do you solve that? You know, we work together better than people think. And, and people work across the aisle more than people think. But there are some issues, I guess, that really push buttons like me. Um, I'm a calm person, but I'm I'm just so sick of it and weary. And, you know, uh, there's been just too many deaths. And I just feel like, God, don't you care about these people losing their lives? And we, we, we talk about the people losing their lives. We don't talk about the people that have been maimed. We don't, and you know, shot and live. We don't talk about all the, uh, the trauma, you know, in too many families, too many communities. It's not just the person, you know, getting shot. I, I mean, it's, it's horrible. And I just feel like, you know, I try not to think like this, but I just feel like, you know, people don't care or it happens to somebody else. It doesn't happen, you know, where they are, but people should see it happens all over. Like what just happened yesterday in South Carolina and Texas that, you know, nobody's safe. (laughs) That's what it feels like. Do you see a path or do you see people on both sides of the aisle who are willing to sit down and say, yeah, I mean, let's work this, let's work through this. Yeah, I mean, the the background check bill, that was Peter King, the Republicans bill from New York. You know, he's not there anymore, but that was bipartisan. The Charleston loopholes, bipartisan. And I believe there are people in the Senate, you know, that are willing to, you know, work together. And I think it helps that uh, Biden is the president. You know, he came from the Senate. He knows, you know, a number of the people and that, you know, there's not the divisive voice of Donald Trump, you know, anymore. I, I think that helps. It, you know, I, I hate to put it like that, but it just seems that, you know, people are afraid, you know, of what the repercussions will be, you know, on the Republican side if they, you know, if they went against the president or, you know, certain people, but I just don't see how, I mean, I don't understand it. I I really, I I went to Steve Scalise one time and said, explain it to me. I'm trying to understand, you know, where you're coming from. And uh, I still don't understand it. (laughs) Mm. Now, let me turn this issue back into one as state party chair, because downstate, this is, I I mean, you know, I've, I've felt this for a long time. This isn't necessarily a red versus blue, Democrat versus Republican issue. This is an issue of geography as much as anything else in this state. People who live in urban areas, whether they're Republican or Democrat, seem, you know, tend more to want to see more gun control laws and more better laws. Downstate, this is a whole different thing. How do you address that with the party members downstate? Well, don't forget my district is urban, suburban, and rural. So I even see it. 
<laughs> I see it in my district as you as I go further south, even though I've had, you know, people from the urban area, you know, express their opinion um, um, to me also. I think that, you know, if we can, as you said, talk to each other and really explain, you know, what the bills are about or the programs are about, I think that helps, you know, um, and not the rhetoric or, you know, pointing fingers and things like that, just to try to explain where, you know, uh, where we're coming from, just like I'm open to where they're coming from. I came, I come from a family of law enforcement. So people, you know, had guns. My grandfather was a hunter. We had a mom and pop grocery store. And every, and when I worked in the store in the back, my grandfather had his rifle in the back of the store. I saw it every day. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, so it's not, that's the thing. Like, um, I think they think, oh, we're so against guns, but on the uh, federal uh, gun violence prevention task force, the person that's the president, he has many guns. That's one of his hobbies. We have hunters. We have, Val Demings is an ex police chief, so it's not that uh, you know all of us are. Oh, we, we we don't want guns. We're so anti gun. It's not that at all. But we want gun safety. That's what it's about. It's not about taking away your gun. But I think we just have to sit down and talk about it. And of course. Uh, those that own guns that believe in it, they have to do a lot of the talking, you know, because they're gun owners themselves. That is Illinois Democratic Party chair and Congresswoman Robin Kelly. So good to talk with you again. Um, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at WBBMNewsRadio.com. There should be a link at the bottom of the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on Odyssey.com. That's a new title for the company, A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.